it's a rare condition. Well, there must be some magic clues. Real love bursting out of every scene. Welcome to episode four of 12 Men, One Podcast, your number one Family Matters fanfic podcast on the internet. (laughs) Happy anniversary to Family Matters, 30 years since it premiered in 1989. What do you guys think about that? We're old. (laughs) (laughs) I remember Family Matters, staple of my childhood. I remember the jokes about Family Matters. Like, there's several jokes in The Simpsons. It just had such an impact. Uh, and then, like, Steve Urkel got super old, <laughs> super awkward, and then just faded away. The metaphor for like all good things. All right. So, those uh, two mystery voices you guys just heard uh, were our sometimes guest slash co host and often uh, mystery pick picker, Mr. Adam Cratch. And then uh, the three of us have the lovely pleasure of being joined by uh, one Mr. Christopher Stek-Kozlowski, the apple of my eye. Kaz, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Kaz, what did happen to Judy Winslow? Oh, no. The littlest one? Yeah, the one they disappeared off the show. As our resident oh, family manager. Didn't family. she go into porn? What's that? I think she went into porn. Yeah, I think so too. But like, not as a not as a child, but uh, I think that was her eventual career path. Not to say that I've ever sampled such mm-hmm. such uh, illicit offerings, <laughs> but that's what I hear. That's the pretty one quick street. answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that the fate of like all those um, child actors that disappeared off the TV shows, like? Um, you know, um, like Jody Sweeten, like where, what happened to Jody Sweeten? Oh, she got addicted to crack and went into porn. Hey, it's like, did she? Or is that just heroin, an urban man. legend? Heroin. Doing oh, it back, yeah, doing it backstage well, at Marquette while Cratch was in college. Yep. And one of my RAs took her out, to a meal before that presentation. A meal. Right. A lovely, lovely meal. So anyway, Kaz, um, again, welcome back. What's new with you? What's new in the land of Kaz? Uh, what's new? Well, I'm I'm still at my job as an instructional designer here at the University of South Carolina. But today was such a day after a year, ha- year and a half of being on the job, uh, we finally shot some video, which I've been looking forward to. I've been told about. Um, so we we had a whole studio set up. We had people in. Um, I was interviewing them on camera. We had a full film crew, craft services to the nines. And I I was in my elements and it was like, finally, this part of the job has come to pass. And it was so much fun, y'all. So I'm I'm on cloud nine today. Congratulations. 
Yeah, good to hear. So do you get your uh, your SAG card now that you're on film? <laughs> well, I'm not on film. I'm behind the camera. Okay. Uh, asking the questions. We um, uh, what, we, what our group does is write training for social workers, and we're doing a, a campaign for kinship caregivers, which is like instead of going to foster care, like a relative can step in and take care of a child that has to be removed from their home. And so we just had a couple of uh, those folks in the day. And like really nice salt of the earth folks and um, just with really harrowing stories about, you know, kids with parents that got addicted to drugs and couldn't take care of them and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, like grandparents, aunts and uncles kind of stepping in, filling that void. And um, they, uh, the guy had his granddaughter there and she was just so great. And we took pictures of them and I interviewed him and it was, it just felt good to be like in touch with the people that were trying to help at my job. So Super, super great. Awesome. So now that we got the, the update on Kaz life, Kaz land, what the heck is going on on Kaz's fantasy team? Not off to a great start this year. Uh, no, we're only a three. Though I will say, I, I did not uh, anticipate competing at all this year. Um, I thought, okay, I'll get maybe a couple players in the draft. And I'll be maybe a spoiler for somebody and, you know, maybe I'll win a game or two. And that still needs to happen. I'm 0-3. But, you know, if you look at my total points, um, I'm right there in the middle of the league. Uh, so I, I'm not feeling too bad about that. I've, uh, I've lost some squeakers. And uh, those players I picked up have really surprised me a little bit. Uh, Derrick Henry has been reliable. Uh, I paid a bunch of money to franchise uh, T.Y. Hilton, and everyone was down on him after Andrew Luck retired. But uh, Jacoby, my man, has been stepping in um, and delivering him the ball. And so, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm obviously at the bottom of the league uh, wins-wise, uh, but I think I could definitely, um, you know, squeak out a couple close ones moving forward. So, Yeah, and that was uh, one of the questions Dan and I had kind of when we were doing our draft recap was no one was expecting you to kind of push for a title this year, but we did expect you to make some, some longer term signings in the draft really build for the future. But I think as Dan pointed out, you know, you only signed players to one year deals. So what was your rationale behind that? Right. Well, as you know, I'm trash at picking (laughs) people for long-term deals (laughs) as is evidenced by my running backs. Uh, I have been listening to the podcast and you guys have been right to, to trash slash feel bad for me because of that. Notice I still have uh, JAJI on my team, hoping that someone picks him up that I could get some. He might be production. going to the Giants. Yeah, I saw that too, Saquon, um, which screws my other team up. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> I, I figured like, okay, I could I could pick up some like middling people for long term contracts and cross my fingers, or I could completely blow it up and try to save as much money as I can for next year. Because um, as you guys have probably noticed, uh, next year, I, th- I think it's going to be a banner year for running backs. We had, at least the, the numbers that I ran, we had like maybe one or two free agents out of the top 20 2018 running backs this year. Next year, we're going to have like... One of whom was Melvin Gordon. Right, one of whom was Melvin Gordon, so slim pickings. Next year, according to my calculations, we're going to have like 15 plus. Um, and that's not counting rookies. That's not counting running backs that pop out of nowhere. So I think we're going to be like super running back rich next year. And I wanted to save as much roster space and cap space for that. 
And then similar with wide receivers, it's it's going to be similar, I think. Um, I calculated like probably about five free agents this year out of the top 20. And then next year, there'll probably be like five to, to eight, I would assume. Um, and, you know, people might franchise, but like you're – these 15 running backs aren't all going to be that's franchised. true by I, definition I can't see that happening so not be franchised. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how many how what's what's the franchise limit yeah oh we can only afford one per team right yeah um so that that's what i'm banking on is just like that next year everyone has all these players tied up in super rich contracts and i will have well of course i do have a couple super rich contracts that will be still paying out but um, if I clean house now, I'll have as much money as possible next year. So oh, with the uh, palpable excitement I can sense from you, uh, can we expect you at Live Draft 2020 Detroit? Um, I, I've been doing this thing with all my sort of social commitments where if I skip one year, I try like hell to make it the next year. So um I, I will, I will, I will do my best. And uh, I was about actually, I was about to come to Chicago. Um, but my, my sister lives in Chicago, as you might know, and she was not going to be there that weekend. And so I'm like, I can't go to Chicago and not see Katie. She would kill me. Uh, so I, uh, I chose not to go, which I'm, I'm very sad about. It sounded like a great time. I, I did listen to about half the bourbon cut. Um, and it, was, <laughs> it only gets better from there. Okay. Well, I, I, I maybe I need to scroll back because it didn't keep my spot, but it sounded like a, a raucous time. And so I, I missed it and I'm going to try like hell to be there next year. Very good. And, you know, uh, we're kind of just breaking down every guest team as we go along here this year. And like has been, you know, we've mentioned on the podcast, you're tearing yourself down a little bit, but your drafting has been really quite good. Uh, Gallup, Sutton, Samuel, uh, Jaron Jackson. I mean, those are all solid picks. It's not Zangus level (laughs) drafting like first tier running backs in the third round, but um, your drafting has been excellent. Your free agency signings, that's what needs some work. So I look forward to seeing your, your signings next year in Detroit. <laughs> Live in person. All right. Um, so uh, Dan, you had a really good week at Pickham last week. Uh, you hit four of the five, <laughs> you hit four of the five, 12 men, uh, one trophy picks and you were five for five dead nuts, hundred percent. Perfect on the, uh, the NFL pick. So kudos to you. Wow. Nice work. What do I win? How many points? Um, you win two of Cratch's mystery points. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tony and I had an okay week. Uh, we both went uh, three and two in the 12 men, one trophy. Uh, and then we both uh, took three games uh, in the NFL uh, pick them. Cratch uh, hit his first two point mystery pick of the week or was mystery pick of the year. Um, he took Houston plus three at the Chargers. They obviously ended up winning outright. Um, so he's up to 14 mystery units on the week or on the year. Excuse me. 14 units on the year. So we're excited to see what he's going to do with them this week. Yeah, we're getting weird this week, boys. Oh, boy. Yes. <laughs> About time. All <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, uh, Dan, before we get into the specific game breakdowns, do you have any best or worst plays of the week for 12-men one trophy? I do, and, you know, sadly enough, I have to give the best play to you, Dr. Poole. Um, Huzzah! Reason, reason being is, as I looked at your lineup uh, on Sunday, I felt you might be making a mistake 
playing Ingram over Cup in your flex position. And, you know, Kaz had such a good week that you really cut it close. You won by eight points and actually only 0.26 points off of RSO's projection. But um, it ended up be, it ended up not mattering because you would have won with Cup as well. Just would have been a closer game. Uh, but you did make the right decision because Ingram did score more points. Either play would have worked. But So I'm giving that to you. Best play of the week, Mark Ingram, ends up with 33.5 points in your flex position. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, worst play of the week, I really – Worst play of the week, I, I'm looking, you know, I was trying to find one looking at Kaz's team and Cratch's team because those were some close matchups, looking at Truman's team to see if uh, he could have done something to beat me. And really, um, Truman, Cratch, and Kaz played really nice lineups and just had bad luck. So I couldn't really find a bad play of the week. So just one good play of the week this week. All right. So And, and then really doesn't that mean that there were a lot of really good plays of the week? It just, you know, fantasy football, the, bounce, the ball's a weird shape and it bounces funny ways. Yeah, the the bad play of the week was the friends we made along the way. What? <laughs> it's a reference. Oh, Google uh, it. That uh, sounds scary. All right. Um, so, quick rundown of the the week's matchups. Dan, you beat Truman by twelve. Um, you finally got uh, solid performances out of McCaffrey and Kamara because Lord knows you've been needing those. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson put up twenty four points. Somehow, you know. You played Hawkinson again. He didn't even get a full point, and you're still able to beat Truman. Uh, despite Truman's, uh, you know, kind of best week of the year, he dropped 125 points. Um, you know, your team went off. His team went off. Your team's just better. Um, looking at Truman's bench, he's got a lot of players that gave him absolutely nothing this week. So, like you said, there's not much more he could have done to beat you. Yeah, I really got lucky probably with Saquon going out. Um but I did put up a lot of points, most points in the league this week. So, you know, I'm going to take credit for that uh, and just be happy to get away with the win. Yeah. And a quick reference to our discussion uh, from yesterday about your, was it 65 points in week two? Um, You're correct. It was not the lowest ever. Um, We had a couple 50 and change point weeks uh, last year. And uh, somehow even Tony put up like a 32 point week in week 11, um, I have no idea how that happened, um, but he literally put up 30-some points. So that's that's going to be tough to beat without trying. It is embarrassing. Um, I think I'm actually going to amend my pull power index right now just based off of last year's play. All right. Dan, are, are you worried about Hawkinson? Uh, not really. I think he's, ob- he's obviously shown he's – going to be a quality NFL tight end. Um, I named my team after him, so I will continue to play him out of principle. Uh, but Fair. the thing is, I think that um, we played Crosby last week, and Decker is not very good, even la- even this past week, and he looked better, but he's not that good. They're keeping Hawkinson and Jesse James into block all the time. So they're going to do that again this week against Kansas City. But I'm still going to play Hawkinson. I like that dedication. Got to mm-hmm. respect it. All right, Cratch. Uh, Remember that when your team name rankings. <laughs> Cratch, your uh, matchup against Phil, uh, you only lost by about nine points. Your team actually exceeded its RSO projections by like 30-some points, whereas Phil's uh, failed to meet his. 
Um, so as Dan said, not much more you could have done here. You had a pretty solid week from your team. You were pretty close to that magical, mythical 120-point mark. It uh, just unfortunately wasn't enough for you. Yeah, but I just really needed a Tier 1 performance from DeAndre Hopkins. But I got a lot of points everywhere else from my team, so it's hard to complain. It just would have been nice to get that win. Yeah. Uh, Kaz, we had a, a close matchup. Uh, as Dan said, I only beat you by eight. Uh, wouldn't have mattered if I played Ingram or Cup. Uh, just would have been closer. Um, that was never really my decision. My my debate was between Galladay and Cup. Um, so uh, I'm a little mad at myself because I didn't play that one. Uh, Galladay only got me three points, so I left an extra 20 points sitting on my bench there. Um, but I mean, I was, I was a little surprised with how close this one was, uh, after Thursday when you had only 35 points from, uh, basically your quarterback and both running backs, um, obviously big week out of Hilton and Ingram really helped you out plus 15 points from New Orleans defense. So, I mean, pretty solid week from you overall. Um, you know, like you said, you're still kind of middle of the pack in terms of points scored. It's just been some unlucky scheduling for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that I, you you can't ever count for that many points out of a defense and new Orleans was playing Seattle. And I mean, the, the score was even pretty high. And so it was just the fact that they got a bunch of, you know, returns and well, the punt return TD and, and all that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm playing it close. Um, you know, one week I'm gonna, if I, if I score like this and play someone and they score in the nineties, like that's a victory. So I'm fine with it. And if I, if I, if I sneak into contention this year, great. And if not, Hey, uh, maybe I can play the spoiler. So there you go. Good game. Good game. Good game. Uh, our next matchup. Uh, this was my surprise of the week. Uh, this was, I think our biggest upset, uh, Gowell actually won by over 20. Oh, what? Yeah. Just about, am I doing my math right? Just about 30 points, almost uh, 28 and a half. Um, he, he trounced D'Amato, um, I don't even know where uh, his team seceded other than Keenan Allen, who dropped 37 points, and he got a, that long bomb touchdown from Equal Hardman with 17 points. Um, obviously, you can't count on that every week. He did hit that mythical 120-point mark, but he didn't really need it. And, Kaz, and as you said, you would have beat D'Amato this week had you played him. You would have beat you know three other teams this week, including uh, Zankis, who's you know widely regarded as a – team in contention this year so uh, you know part of the game is scheduling um but uh, tony had a good week and uh, i can't fault him for that yeah Cos would, would have beaten five other teams but that's just the name of the game it's a lot of luck and fancy football this might be kind of times ahead for matt here with uh you know he had to start raheem Mostert at running back who got him 5.9 that's not i granted he got 79 rush yards but He's going to need to find another top-tier running back if he wants to contend this year. Yeah, that's that's a good point, Cratch. If you look at D'Amato's team and, and even Truman's team, there's just no depth. So those two guys are going to have to decide, are they going to compete this year or not? If they're going to compete, they might have to make a trade with somebody because they, they just have nothing on the bench, particularly in the running back arena. Next matchup, Zank uh, lost to Mitch by 16 or so. Uh, Mitch got almost 40 points from Russell Wilson, so it's a huge week. Uh, Zankis, uh, despite my concerns, was able to come away with almost 40 points from both Zeke and Cooper combined. 
Um, so, you know, his Dallas players panned out. Um, unfortunately, Randall Cobb gave him only three. Uh, he only got six from uh, Ebron and only another seven from his flex. Uh, so basically everyone except for Dallas uh, disappointed him. Mahomes is Mahomes. He got him his 25 points, um, but Connor didn't do anything. And uh, and Mitch was able to, to pull out a decent win here with those 40 points from uh, Wilson and a solid 22 points from Greg Olson. What's up with Randall Cobb? Didn't um, Gallup, wasn't he out this week on injury? Yep, Gallup uh, was out after a meniscus surgery. Um, Cobb was supposed to do better, um, but, you know, they were playing Miami, so the concern was did they really need to throw that much? And, mm. you know, with Tony Pollard's 100-and-some-yard game, they kind of proved that they didn't need to, so they didn't really need Randall Cobb. That's right. You did predict that. I remember. I listened <laughs> Listen, remember, recall. <laughs> uh, but I mean, again, looking at Zangus's bench, the the only better play he really could have had there, um, I guess, with either receiver um, on his bench would have got him a few more points and would have made it a lot closer. Um, Demarcus Robinson, and I don't want to do that math, would have got him really close because that's about an extra eight points. Um, but even if you played DD, he would have lost or any of his other receivers. So. Um, potentially could have could have won it with Demarcus Robinson, but you know he went with Randall. Cobb. Fun fact about this matchup: both the two best tight ends were played out of a total seven tight ends between the rosters. So I guess kudos to Mitch and Zangus for playing the two best tight ends out of their seven tight ends. That is far too many tight ends <laughs> for two people to own, and I get that. I don't know why Zangus still has Gronkowski, like. I'll just keep in the faith. Keep in the faith. I'll leave it at that. He's he's not going to the XFL. He's uh he's gonna come back. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I think there's a decent chance Gronkowski comes back this season. What? But Gronkowski wasn't effective last year. So, I mean, he's not going to be the Gronkowski even if he comes back. I mean, he, he's obviously a nice player no matter what because he's huge and he's fast and he plays with Tom Brady, but. I mean, he wasn't very good last year, so it's just a lottery ticket for Zangus. Um, it's a cheap lottery ticket, which are Zangus's favorite type of lottery tickets. So, <laughs> so last matchup of the week, uh, Pentis lost by uh, almost seventeen uh, to O'Brien. Uh, Pentis had to be hoping for a little bit more out of Godwin and Mark Andrews uh, and Stefan Diggs. They all kind of put up uh, less than six point stinkers for him. Uh, but he did get 20 points out of McCoy, so he's got to be at least okay with that. Uh, but uh, O'Brien had a, had a pretty solid week despite only getting 11 points from Case Keenum, uh, pretty much double digits across the board until you get to the back half of the roster. But, uh, you know, we, we've talked about how thin he is, uh, and, you know, he's got to kind of eke out wins like this or uh, figure out how, how to move on to next year. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, O'Brien, does O'Brien know that you can have 20 people on your roster? Because <laughs> he still has 18, but he does get the win. I mean, this has got to be disappointing for Pentis. Pentis, I think, seems like he's kind of going back and forth on whether he's going to compete this year or not. Um, if he is really going to compete this year, he needed to win this game. So this is a tough loss for Pentis. I mean, he played the right guys. They just didn't perform these are ultimately two uh, teams that are probably rebuilding 
to Obi's uh, credit, it does, you know, RSO does make it difficult to understand how many roster spots you have open. It's not the most intuitive system, I don't think. Yeah, fair enough. Or, or maybe he just doesn't care. Or maybe that there's just no one out there to be picked up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, speaking of Pentis, uh, I'd like to perhaps uh, draw upon Pentis again to, to maybe reveal another letter of his team name if he feels so inclined. Yes. Let's do it. Greetings from Denver, the Mile High City, and home to the 0-3 Broncos. Thank you, Dr. Pohl and Dr. Hamaker. Big shout-out to everyone who submitted their guesses this past week. Unfortunately, no one was able to correctly deduce the team name, which is of great disappointment to the league because I was going to pay for everyone's league dues for next season. Good news is, though, there's still a major award available if anybody is able to guess what Catapel stands for. Uh, So far, our closest best guess has come from Commissioner Dave. Um, Had Tony finished his thought uh, end-to-end, he may have had a leg up on pole. Quick side note, Dan is correct that if you feed me fried chicken, this puzzle may be over. Regardless, this week's letter F stands for football. Happy solving. And the avatar has been updated on time. Very efficient. Oh, the avatar. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So there you can see that the, uh, looking at his uh, picture, the last two words of his team name are football leaders. So um, do you guys have any guess as to what the other team name or team letters mean? Well, if the next F isn't fantasy, then uh, I'm not sure what to say. Yeah, I keep getting confused by the T and the O. Is that the let- the word two, or is that two separate words? Ooh. We'll Ooh. find out. We'll just have to find out in five So I think my, my new guess is going to be concussed children attack the official future fantasy football leaders. Concussed children's a strong start to CC. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, Pettis is like, oh shit, I got to change it. Oh oh, no. (laughs) He found me out. Either that or I win a prize. Uh, I've got, I've got nothing. The, uh, the T O F F F L reminds me of the, uh, TOEFL, which is the, uh, test of, um, non-native speakers have to take when they get into college. <laughs> so I know it from, from my wife. Uh, but I don't think that's the reference. So I, I'm still in the dark. All right. So while, uh, while we consider that, ponder that a little bit more, why don't we all, uh, take a little trip down to Bourbon Corner. Bourbon Corner. Welcome. Welcome. So, Kaz, I know last time we, we kind of caught you in a hotel room uh, in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, Whoa. and uh, you weren't so able to participate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you weren't fully able to participate in Bourbon Corner, so uh, hopefully we caught you on a better night tonight. What are you drinking? Gentlemen. I've waited for this moment for about 365-ish days. Um, I'm proud to be sipping with you tonight uh, a Carolina Ooh. straight bourbon. 
from Crouch Distillery Ooh. right here in Columbia, South Carolina, and um, a bottle that was bottled by yours truly, Chris Kozlowski. Ooh. Um, my buddy had the, that I uh, went to grad school with uh, is independently wealthy. Uh, I guess maybe we can understand that as, as fellow cake eaters here, Catholic school brats. Um, but he has purchased a distillery. It's plantation money. Um, my friend has bought a distillery. And so I've been working at said distillery on uh, Thursday nights. Nice. Um, and so if y'all ever want to come down here to the devil's armpit, Columbia, South Carolina, um, I can serve you up some small batch handcrafted Carolina straight bourbon and ooh, live draft 2021. That does sound delicious. <laughs> Put it on the calendar. Here, ooh, yeah. here's that. Here's that sound. Here's that sound. Let's see if it picks it up. Oh, nope. It pours too thick. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Dan, what are you drinking tonight? Directly from the Chicago Live Draft 2019 that we drank when we were already drunk like freaking Sofrino idiots. We drank, <laughs> I'm drinking at this moment and in the past at the Live Draft, the Jefferson's <laughs> Reserve uh, old rum cask. It's pretty good. It has a little bit of a rum taste to it. Um I like it. Yeah, that was a good one. Cratch, what are you doing? Well, after your uh, mention, the last time I was live on the podcast that the Centennial IPA is trying to mimic Two Hearted, that reminded me, damn, I like Two Hearted. So I went (laughs) and got a six-pack of Two Hearted. And so you're telling me that Centennial is trying to be Two Hearted? I, I don't understand, and now I'm enjoying some Two Hearted. They they use the same hops, whether the the malt bill is the same or different. Um, I have no idea. I think that's what throws me off is the maltiness of Centennial is not present in Two Hearted. Fair enough. Uh, so I'm sipping on a little uh, Woodford Reserve double oaked uh, bottle was was gifted to me by a friend. It's a, a store pick out of A and B. Pretty solid. Um, first time I'm having it. Obviously, the the Woodford is not new, but the the store pick is pretty nice. Um, definitely, uh, definitely going to enjoy this one for a while. When you say friend, do you mean someone, ra- some random person you met on Reddit? No, no, no. This is a, a friend in real life, IRL, if you will. I can't name names because I don't want uh, other people hounding said friend for for bourbon. Hey, the internet's real life. Mm. Is it Tony Cooper? I'm not going to name names, but yes. All right. Uh, So, gentlemen, uh, thanks for joining us on Bourbon Corner. Bourbon Corner. Delicious. So now that we've had a little time to ponder, any other thoughts about that team name? Because it's still confusing me. Well, I would say that in reference to what Kaz said, if somehow Pendus' name involved Kaz's wife, Julia, uh, that's both impressive and creepy. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's move on, shift gears, look into the future. Uh, you know, we had uh, some big movers and changers in the pole power index. Uh, relatively stable uh, top five. 
just some new uh, new blood at the top. Phil finally overtakes me. Um, he he overtook me in average scoring this week. Uh, his roster is just slightly better than mine, so I had to to seed the top spot to him. But I'm still nipping on his heels at number two. Uh, Dan, you're moving up to number three. The win definitely helps you. You're still uh, lagging behind both Phil and I in in points scored, but your roster is still very strong. Uh, number four and five might be a little surprise to some people. Uh, if you're paying close attention, uh, you might think Tony Gall will be coming in at number four because he's got two wins. He's averaging almost as many points per game as you are, Dan. Um, but if you think Gowell's coming in top four, you're wrong. You don't know me very well. Gowell's coming in at number five. Uh, D'Amato only slides down to number four with that loss. Um, he's still averaging uh, about the same points. Uh, we got a lot of people up in the 110, 112-point range. And uh, I like D'Amato's roster better than I like Gowell's. Uh, Going to be a rough week this guy, this week for Gowell because his uh, Niners are on by. Um, so I don't think he even uh, holds on to that number five spot. Zankis with the loss drops down to number six. Uh, tough week to score 80 points. I uh, expected to see a win out of him there. Uh, but, uh, you know, roster is still pretty strong. I think he's going to bounce back uh, as long as he doesn't keep relying on Randall Cobb. Looking at the bottom half, uh, O'Brien moves his way up to number eight with that big win. Um, still not scoring a lot of points per game, so he's definitely getting lucky with the schedule. Um, I don't expect him to get too much higher than that. Uh, Mitch is also moving on up uh, with a good win, uh, but he's got almost 20 more points per game scored than O'Brien, so Mitch is up to number seven. Uh, Cratch, Pentis, Truman, all you guys are moving on your way down. Uh, tough losses. Uh, that's the order 9, 10, 11 there. And then Kaz, you were at number 12 last week. You're sitting there this week. Uh, you know, losing is definitely not going to be a way to move up in the power rankings. So you're going to have to win if you want to get out of that cellar and put Tony Gowell back where he belongs. Try my best next week, boys. Right. So speaking of next week, we got some matchups to talk about. Uh, first matchup, Dan, this is me versus you. Uh, so I'm going to have Cratch break it down and tell us who he likes here. Hole versus Hammaker, the battle of the co-hosts. Uh, this week, you know, I was looking at this, and what did my notes say? They said to pick Pole because more than half of Pole's team was either playing Baltimore and Cleveland or Detroit and Kansas City, which I really see that as being, you know, high-scoring matchups that are going to propel Pole's team past Hammaker. What say you, Kaz? Um, I'll tell you what. I mean, I, I hear what you've got to say, but Dan's uh, dual running backs, McCaffrey and Kamara, man, they came alive last week for something fierce. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, what kind of trends happen, like what in fantasy football, but to see those two running backs back to their old selves, hitting the, the gridiron hard, that's going to be tough to contend with. Yeah, I'm excited for a good matchup. I think um, for for Tony Gowell's viewing pleasure, he should really pay attention to the defenses because we're playing each other. Uh, we got Minnesota at Chicago. Uh, I got Minnesota. Dan has Chicago. Uh, Chicago, the better real-life defense. Minnesota, potentially the better fantasy defense. I honestly don't know. I haven't looked at the points, but probably not since Chicago's really good. Um, I obviously like my chances here. Um, I'm gonna gonna set my lineup for success. I'm gonna be tweaking a few things uh, going forward. We'll see if I can't find a way to get Cooper Cup in there, um, but uh, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, this will be a this will be a fun matchup because uh, we actually both have pretty decent matchups. So 
this this could go either way. Probably, you know, whoever has that huge game from one of, one or two of their players is going to win the matchup. So um, obviously, I'm going to win. <laughs> yeah. All right, Phil taking on O'Brien. Um, we've talked about how good Phil's team is. I got him at number one. Um, O'Brien's kind of middle of the pack. Got to decide if he's going to play for this year or next year. Um, I'm taking Phil. Is anyone going to disagree? Nay. No, I can't disagree. Phil's a train. Um, I'm scared of Phil. He's definitely deserving of that number one spot. Are you scared of Phil in fantasy or in real life? <laughs> um, Phil seems like a great guy. I, 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 when's the last time I talked to Phil? It's been years. Uh, Phil, you're a great guy in real life, but your fantasy football team, it's scary. It's very scary. Okay, guys, he doesn't listen. You can insult him. <laughs> oh, wow. He's, he seems like <laughs> <laughs> I gave you the chance. <laughs> Uh, next matchup, Cratch, you're taking on D'Amato. Uh, break it down for us. What are you seeing here? Can you beat D'Amato and his, his injury-ravaged team with one running back? Right, literally one running back with uh, Mostert on by. He's going to have to throw in Latavius Murray. or uh, Yeah, I don't know. He's going to have to do something on the waiver wire or something. To be honest, I am uh, prototyping a trade offer with him right now, and uh, I might hold that off for a week while I allow him to lose to me with his shallow running back depth. It's sneaky, and I love it. Um, I think it's it's always tough uh, coming off of a down week. Uh, you know, when you, you have kind of that bad beat that you had last week, Cratch, I do think you're going to rebound. Um, I think this is going to be much closer than, than RSO projects. Uh, I think you're going to eat this one out, Cratch. Um, I'll tell you what, I was I was picking D'Amato because he's got my boy Nelson Aguilar on the team. And Aguilar has achieved meme status as of this week. Did you see that? Uh, did you see that meme? I did not. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So there was a there was a house fire in Philadelphia and they were evacuating people from, I guess, this apartment building. And they're interviewing this guy. And he's like, yeah, you know, we were helping people out. I went in. It was really smoky. I came back out. And, you know, people were trapped. And so they were just they were just throwing kids. And they were throwing kids out the window. And we were catching them, unlike Aguilar. <laughs> and uh, I, from what I heard, the, the, what happened today on that is that uh, Nelson invited the man and his family uh, to the next game. Uh, and so he was a real class act about it. So uh, it was nice to see Nelson out there handling meme status well, handling Twitter well. And so I was like, oh yeah, okay, we'll we'll go for Damato on that because he's got he's got Nelson. But I did not notice that his one running back was on bye and he has literally no one else. Um, but you know what? I picked it. I put it on the sheet. I'm gonna stick with it. Sorry, Cratch. Dan, what say you? So, you know, Cratch playing his on-by tight end. I assume pending free agency he's going to pick up a tight end. But I actually like Cratch's uh, matchups a little bit better. I expect Hopkins and uh, Juju to have pretty decent games, even without Roethlisberger. And this is going to be a grinded-out, if you pardon the cliche, kind of win for Cratch, I think. Low scoring, uh, but Cratch gets the win. Kaz, you're taking on Zankis. Tell me why I should pick you. 
Ah, uh, gosh, I need a win. I need a win to be to have any hope at competing. Um, Zangus's team has perennially underperformed this year. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, Randall Cobb is still in his lineup. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Mixon, Mixon's back from injury, mm-hmm. yeah? So hopefully he uh, he listens to the podcast and, and gets his one of his star running backs back in the game here. Um, my team has been fairly consistent. Derrick Henry has scored a touchdown in every game so far. Fournette, I wish Fournette was better, but he I think he's reached his ceiling. I've been impressed with Hilton, Ingram. Even even the rookie Metcalf has done pretty decent for me. So, you know, uh, if Zengas scores the same amount of points he's been scoring in past weeks, I've got a shot. So if you want to take a flyer, I'll, I'll take the love. Yeah, I think, Kaz, I'm taking you here. Uh, this is a good week for you. This might be your high-scoring week of the year. Got a lot of good matchups. Um, if you want, I mean, you could switch out John Brown, but I know you're a big believer in John Brown. Uh, but otherwise, I think your lineup looks pretty good. And like you said, Zengus, you know, been underperforming this year with a lot of his players. Um, here's a side bet for you guys. Uh, real quick, over-under fantasy points for Patrick Mahomes against all of your Detroit Lions. The over-under is set at 23 fantasy points. Over. Oh. Yeah, over and it's that close. <laughs> <laughs> you put up 25 <laughs> against Baltimore, and I think Baltimore's defense is better than ours. So um, I think the actually the the – question would be is if the the Kansas City defense gets a couple of turnovers and they don't need Mahomes to do as much uh, but I still think I still think it goes over yeah I mean I yeah <laughs> okay I'm taking the under just, just remember who broke the Rams yeah well I mean I hope that's the case for for all of our fandom but you know I gotta play the odds here um and co Bringing it back, because I I do like your matchups this week. The one thing I think uh, you should be careful of is that quad injury in T.Y. Hilton. Um, You know, he came into the the game last week with a a quad injury. He aggravated it during the game. Um, So his status is unknown for for this upcoming week. Um, So that might be a way to to get John Brown out of the flex spot. You know, you might need to bench T.Y. Hilton if he's not playing um, and then potentially get in. Um, You know, I like Justin Jackson this weekend. Um, they're at Miami. Um, consistently, have shown that backup running backs get a lot of work, especially in the third and fourth quarter against the Miami defense. And Jackson has been pretty solid on his own. So I think um, you know if, if you find a way to to get Justin Jackson in there, um, unfortunately via injury, um, I, I like your chances this week. It's still tough for me to. I gotta think Zangus takes Cobb out of there. Um, you know, puts in Demarcus Robinson or D.D. Westbrook. Um, it's tough for me to pick against Angus and his running backs, um, but Kaz, so here's my rationale. I'm going to pick Zangus to win just so that I'm wrong and you can beat him. So I'm rooting for you, Kaz, but I'm going to pick Zangus. I like that. I'll take that. I, you know, Justin Jackson hasn't really been on my radar. He's been He's had a couple weeks where he's had about 60 rushing yards. Um, so um, thank you for calling that to my attention. I was, I was looking at my receivers. I was looking at... Um, you know, Cortland Sutton, but that is a possibility against Miami. Uh, and we've seen just how, how trash Miami is. So yeah, thank you. Hot tip from the, Hot tip. from the podcaster. 
like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's had a couple of 60-yard weeks, but he's had a couple of good runs. Um, you know, they're just not feeding him the ball much. And so that's why I think against Miami, he's got a pretty solid play. And if you remember against the Lions, he had what, like a 30 or 40 yard touchdown run called back because of a questionable holding call. Mm. Um, so he's definitely got skills. He just needs the opportunity. All righty. Take it under advisement. All right. Uh, next matchup, we got Katafel uh, against Spider 2Y Banana. Um, Gowell has already benched his kicker and his defense, uh, either because he's ashamed that they're 49ers or because they're on bye. Dan, uh, do you think even if he picks up a kicker and a defense, do you think he beats Pentis this week? I do. Uh, we all know Tony's team is a lot better than it has been the past two years. Um, he's got Keenan Allen going against Miami. They might not have to throw the ball at all, but he's still going to get some targets. Uh, McCole Hardman against Detroit. Um, not going to do well because, you know, Mahomes going to have under 23 fantasy points. But um, <laughs> over, overall, I like Tony's team this week. Pennis has a little bit of a problem. Uh, Montgomery hasn't been, um, you know, what was advertised. I think that's more about play calling than anything. And then McCoy against Detroit, I don't really like, and he might not even play. So Pennis is going to have a little problem at running back here. He might have to get Ronald Jones in there, who's been okay this season, actually. Uh, but I'm still taking Tony here. I just think overall his team is better. Hopefully he'll get a defense and kicker in there. Uh, shame on him if he keeps the defense kicker on his roster. But, you know, let Tony be Tony. Um, he should definitely get a defense in there. You never know what's going to happen. For instance, I got 15 points off uh, New Orleans this week. Um, there's just no excuse. You never know, you know, and I mean, as long as you can make sure that they're not going to get you negative points, it makes all the sense in the world to play. And you can find a bad matchup up there. You can sign them for like next to nothing, play a defense. And, you know, you can't be that precious about your bench. I'm sure there's somebody he wouldn't mind letting go if he really, really wants to keep San Francisco on there. I understand. I mean, that's what makes fantasy football fun is you have people on your team that you want to root for. So I get that. Um, I can't believe Frank Gore is still in the league. It's obscene to me. Uh, he what he's like thirty six. Uh, <laughs> uh, I remember I remember old Frank Gore back. It feels like you know like high school he was playing. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and he was old back then. I'm just impressed. I'm impressed he's still in the league, but he's up against New England. Um, uh, <laughs> Tony's got Sammy Watkins, who has been I've been in love hate relationship with Sammy Watkins for his entire career. I'm glad he's off my team, even though he's on my ESPN league team. Uh, and going against Detroit, I don't know. I, that that's like that tears up my heart. Like I want to see Sammy do well. I want to see Detroit win. Um, I can see KC just blowing out Detroit, and then Sammy Watkins getting like one catch just to spite me. So because of that, um, I'm actually going to go with tennis just to play the contrarian here. I will quickly just say that I think Tony wins, and he doesn't even need a defense and kicker to win the week. Prove me wrong, wrong Tony. Yeah, I think. Um... Tony will prove you wrong. Um, he's going to lose. He'll probably get 50 points from his kicker in his defense, and he'll still lose uh, because his team is trash. Uh, Kaz already broke down why Frank Gore is not going to get a lot of points. Same with Sammy Watkins. Dan, you just said why Keenan Allen isn't going to score well and Miko Hardman. Jason Witten is old. The only way he's going to score is if he gets a <laughs> touchdown. Josh Jacobs is sick, and Oakland sucks. They don't know how to use him. Carson Wentz is going against the, the Packers defense, who are pretty solid this year, so... Uh, Tony, I think, is maybe going to uh, 
rival his 30-point week from last year. Um, I don't think he's going to gonna win this one. I like Pentis in this, and uh, I don't think it's going to be close. Last matchup, we got Truman versus Mitch. Dan, what are you seeing? Well, let me just remember who I picked here. Okay. So, you know, both these teams have had a little bit of bad luck this year so far. Uh, been scoring relatively well, consistent. But uh, they both are going to have some problems this week. Uh, Truman's going to have a question of who to play instead of Saquon. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of good options. Really, he has one option, and that is Ito Smith pending free agency. Mitch is in a similar boat. Um, he's going to have Le'Veon on by. I mean, Le'Veon hasn't been Le'Veon this year because he's on the Jets, but he's not going to have a whole lot of options. Probably going to end up playing Carlos Hyde in the running back position. So both teams are going to be searching um, for some points from previously on the bench type players. Um, but I'm going to take Truman here. I think he has, again, some nice matchups. Uh, Aaron Jones should be fine. You know, who, what's going to happen with, uh, what do they call him? Danny Dimes. Two Dimes. Daniel Dimes, yep. So what's going to happen with him? Shepard should be a lot better all of a sudden with um, Daniel Dimes in instead of Eli Manning. Hooper has been, you know, very good this year. But I don't expect a ton from him. But McLaurin, I do expect really quite a few points. I'm talking 20-plus this week against the Giants. So I'm going to take Truman here against Mitch. Yeah, I'm going to gonna disagree with you. Um, I think Mitch's running backs are, are solid, uh, even with Le'Veon Bell on the bye. Um, you know, he can at least play Carlos Hyde and get somewhere between 8 and 10 points. Uh, whereas Truman has literally no one to replace Saquon right now because Ido Smith is no good. Um, obviously, both of them could could benefit from uh, a running back pickup or again a trade. Um, but I like uh, I like Russell Wilson uh, more than Philip Rivers. Uh, Ridley just had a bad game, so I think he rebounds well here in, against Tennessee. Uh, Marquise Brown is always a threat to go off for two or three touchdowns. Uh, so. If, uh, if Mitch can get a solid game out of Marquise Brown, I think the rest of his team is able to, to support him there, and I think Mitch gets the win. Split right down the middle. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to throw Truman a bone. Uh, he's got Antonio Brown on his team, and I'm pretty sure Antonio Brown was impeached today. <laughs> <laughs> so, or at least the, the impeachment proceedings have begun. Uh, impeachment from reality. I don't know. I, I, this Friday I was in a burrito joint, uh, about to go into an amusement park for a, for a Halloween event for a spooky coastering Friday. And I look up and it's like Antonio Brown done at new England. I was just like, what, how could this get any, any crazier? Um, so I feel bad. I, I, his heart has must, must have leapt and gone down and, and jumped all around this year. Um, his team looks very similar to my ESPN league team with Will Fuller and Sterling Shepard and Saquon, who uh, is is hurt. Um, so you know, I think I think he needs our love. So I'm gonna pick Truman. Ryan Cratch, what do you think? And bring us home. I'm thinking that uh, Mitch is gonna win this one, uh, although he is short on running backs with Le'Veon on by. 
I do think Hyde is probably the right play, and you know, a lucky touchdown could be the difference here. Um, looking at Truman's team, I'm not totally sure how he's estimated to get 130. I think they'll both be more. I don't think they've updated the Saquon projection. There you go. So, you know, somewhere around 100. It might be a race to 100 points here, and I think Mitch is going to have that. All right, so I think we got uh, some pretty decent diversity in our 12-man-1 trophy picks this week. Um, let's see if things hold true uh, on the NFL side of things. Uh, so our first matchup this week, we got San Francisco versus the bye. I'm going to take the bye. I see no one else is bold enough to make that uh, proclamation, um, so I'm going to claim victory there. Our, uh, our first matchup of two real football teams, because uh, San Francisco is not a real team, uh, we got the Cincinnati Bengals going to Pittsburgh. The line I saw earlier today was Pittsburgh minus four at home. Uh, do you think uh, Rudolph uh, rebounds enough? Does he he rely on Juju? Does he rely on James Conner? Uh, can they beat Andy Dalton in prime time? So, you know, Rudolph actually looked a lot better in the second half. Cincinnati always plays Pittsburgh tough, but I want to take Cincinnati in all honesty, but I think – Pittsburgh tries to make a stand here and show that the season is not completely over. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh. Yeah, I agree with that, uh, Dan. I think Pitt showed that they're going to be scrappy against San Fran last week. They covered that 13-point spread as set by the Tony Gowell book. Uh, (laughs) I think they should be able to get this win. Four is interesting, but I think right, both are pretty bad teams with the state of their quarterback for Pittsburgh and just team in general for Cincy. I'll I'll take Pitt minus four. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you guys. Um, Andy Dalton, for whatever reason, uh, hates the limelight. Uh, You know, these primetime games, for whatever reason, he always seems to perform just that little bit worse. Um, So I think it's going to be enough to where Pittsburgh's able to overcome. Rudolph's going to manage a good game. And I think Pitt's going to win uh, and cover the spread. Kaz, what do you think here? I'm going rogue. I'm going contrary. Uh, I, I I don't watch. I can't get to a lot of games because of my limitations and you know purchasing NFL products. Um, but I, I checked into Cincy and Pitt, and you know they're both bad, and they're both like similarly bad. Um, they have very similar points scored. Uh, they have a lot similar, like couple close losses and then like one lesser close loss. Um, and you know, I'm a Homer. I lived in Cincinnati for three years. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go against the grain and pick Cincinnati. All right. Next matchup in the NFC North, the Chicago bears are hosting the Minnesota Vikings line is only bears minus two and a half. Do you think Dalvin Cook and Kirk Cousins are able to to come into the Windy City and and basically get a win here? Because anything closer is just a really tough loss for them. What do you guys think? I think this is one that, uh, you know, Minnesota these first few weeks has had the luxury of getting out and getting the lead early and just kind of running with it. Uh, I think what they faced against Green Bay with, you know, a stout defense like that is going to be what we're going to see here against Chicago as well, is that on the road against a good defense, uh, they're not going to be able to get the win. So I'm going to take Chicago minus two and a half. 
Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Cratch. Uh, nothing more to add other than Chicago's defense is better than Green Bay's. Um, so I think I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see this line kind of trickle up in Chicago's favor as the week goes on. I can't bring myself to root for Chicago. They're the villains of the NFC North. Um, you know, the line is close enough. Uh, I'm just taking Minnesota. I cannot. I cannot bet on Chicago, even if there's nothing at stake. <laughs> <laughs> there's pride at stake, Kaz. Oh well, definitely not. That if, if, if there's a if there's like a cent on the line, I am picking whatever team is going against that. That's a fair point, Kaz. But uh, Cratch has some good points, and honestly, despite the NFC North overall record, record, I stand by what I what I've said all year. I don't think. The teams in the NFC North are as good as advertised. Um, they all might be solid, but I don't think any of them are elite. And I think, you know, Cousins will get exposed a little bit here against Chicago's defense and doesn't make Chicago a good team, but Chicago will cover the two and a half point spread. So the NFC North teams aren't any good, but Dan, uh, once again, your, your <laughs> Detroit pick is in size like 70 font. So you're taking Detroit plus six hosting Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. So you you think we're going to cover. Uh, why do you think that is? I mean, I do think we're going to beat the spread because I always pick Detroit, and that seems even <laughs> enough. Um, but in all honesty – you know, this is a game, if you've watched the first three games from Kansas City and the first three games from Detroit, uh, Kansas City should obliterate Detroit. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think, honestly, you know, uh, six points might not be enough for Detroit, but I think Detroit will hold Kansas City's offense to uh, below 30 points. Can Detroit actually win the game uh, I don't know they've been scrappy all year but um, you know it's more fun to root for your home team so with that logic I'm going to take Detroit yeah I can't disagree with you there it's definitely more fun to, to root for your team and therefore it's doubly sad when they lose and don't cover um, but I, I do think Detroit covers this one I think this is going to be a shootout maybe even more so uh, than the Kansas City Baltimore game last week um, I think, as I said earlier, you know, Baltimore's defense is, is better than Detroit's. Um, is Stafford better than Lamar Jackson as a quarterback? Maybe as a runner, we can all agree no. Um, but, you know, we've we've had, what, four different 100-yard receivers this year already, and it's only week three. So I think, uh, you know, our offense has the capability to hang with Mahomes. Um, I don't think Kansas City's defense is anything to write home about. So I think this is going to be a shootout. Um, I didn't look at the over, but I would probably take it, and I'm going to take Detroit plus the points. Think about this. What has happened in every one of Detroit's games so far? We haven't lost. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we've been you know winning in the fourth quarter. That's not likely to happen in this game. So the thing is, even if Detroit can get a lead towards the end, like they have in every other game, I just don't think Kansas City can be stopped, you know, at the end of the game. But if we do get the lead, like we did in the first three games, 
then we're going to beat the spread. So it's just logical to take Detroit. Well, I mean, guys, my parents, I'd like to say my parents brought me up right. And they gave me some rules to live by. You know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Always wear your seatbelt. And never bet on the Lions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, I mean, if if Detroit comes close or beats Kansas City, that's a season-defining thing right there. And suddenly the Lions, people start looking at the Lions and saying, oh, they're not squeaking by. Like, they might actually be good. Um, I would love for that to happen. I've been a lifelong Lions fan. Um, But I, I... I learned my lesson in the past. Uh, if I hedge my bet and say Kansas City, when the Lions inevitably let me down yet again, at least I can say, well, I saw it coming. So I got to go with Kansas City. Yep, I'm going to agree with you guys uh, for reasons that I'll get into later in the podcast. Uh, oh, I boy. do think that Kansas City is going to cover this spread. Well, Cratch, we don't have much time or much uh, segments left to cover in the podcast, so I think it's uh, it's time for your mystery pick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah! Macho man! <laughs> yes, that is. That is just so happens to be what I was referring to, Dave. So uh, just a quick review. We're up to 14 units, so a 40% profit. We went and I know Dan called out the fact that I – was playing with house money on that last bet. That is the way I like to roll. You, you, once you get that profit going, you just make sure that you walk out of there alive. Uh, so you know, betting what you've earned rather than what you brought in is always a good idea. So with that, uh, I have two wagers for you this week. The first one is going to be the one that fuels the second one financially. So the first one is a safer bet. It's a two-team money line parlay. Green Bay hosting uh, Philly and Atlanta hosting Indianapolis, or sorry, Atlanta hosting uh, the Titans. Um, for both these, I get, if I parlay those two together, my two-unit bet wins two units. So not much of a money maker, but I just think that both Green Bay and Atlanta are hosting teams that either with Philly are, you know, they have the injury bug, and they're having some problems offensively. The Lions just came into their place and beat them. They're going to have to now go to Lambeau on Thursday night. I, I think Green Bay pulls that one out. The four and a half points was a little bit too much for me, but I do think the Packers just win that one. And then Atlanta against the Titans. I'm just done with the Titans after their Thursday night game. I don't care that they get the 10 days to plan for Atlanta. I, I just see Atlanta pulling that one out. So with that, let's pause, and you guys can weigh in on that parlay, the Packers and the Falcons, two to win two. I'm not against it. In fact, I kind of love it. Um, I'm going <laughs> to agree with you, Cratch. I think that I, I think that's a good parlay, and I'll uh, I'll take you those those two points with you. I'll go on that ride. I'm very excited that the mystery pick is starting to get a little creaky, a little crazy. Uh, so I'm all for it. Go Cratch. So Cratch, I actually missed who you picked of those two teams. So who'd you pick? <laughs> the Packers and the Falcons. Money line. Straight up. <laughs> you know, 
this is a tough one for me because I don't want Green Bay to win because the Lions are king of the north. So I think this is going to be a comeback win for two teams this week for Philadelphia and Atlanta. So uh, I'm going to go against the mystery pick this week. All right. That's fair. That's fair. So uh, that's just part one of the mystery pick. So with that, I am, uh, you know, assuming I'm winning those two units. So I'm putting a one unit wager on something that's called a pleaser. Now, as opposed to a teaser where the line gets better for you, but the odds get worse, a pleaser, the line gets worse for you and the odds get better. And so for the first half of this pleaser, I'm going to call back to Dan last week when he said that we can all look forward to the Patriots at the Bills week four as the opportunity for the Bills to be called out as the fraud that they are, where the Patriots route them and you know win by multiple touchdowns. So for the first half of the pleaser, I need to actually take the Patriots minus 13 at the Bills. And so I know, yep, hold the hold the thoughts here. What's another team that you can think of, you know, another lossless team that might be out of his frauds against an AFC opponent this week on their home field? San Francisco. Definitely not Detroit. That's right, Dan. The Detroit Lions hosting <laughs> the Chiefs. The Chiefs have to win by 12. So basically think of this as I'm coming in, both of these elite AFC teams, are about to come into these crummy, lossless, you know, Lions and Buffalo home fields and just trounce them. The, the nugget with this is just one unit will win me six. Again, that's Chiefs minus 12 and the Patriots minus 13. One unit will win me six. I know that you guys took the Lions or some of you took the Lions to cover the six-point spread, but – I, I'm just using the Dan logic of shitty team had a good couple first weeks meets a real team and just gets beat to shit on their home field as an opportunity to make some serious dough here. So I like it. That's an exciting pleaser as all pleasers should be. And I'm very sad to say that, the reason I'm going against your pleaser is because of the Buffalo Bills. Um, I, I I can honestly see the Chiefs uh, beating Detroit by more than 12 points. However, Buffalo actually has something really, really elite about their team, unlike Detroit, and that's their defense. And the Pats have played... I thought you were going to say Josh Allen. Uh, no. The Pats have played <laughs> the Jets and the Dolphins already this year. So obviously the Pats are the best team in the NFL, but I think their greatness is a little bit exaggerated this year. And I think Buffalo, you know, I think they're for real-ish, mainly because their defense. So I think the Pats win, but more like by 7 to 10 points. So I'm going against the pleaser. Cratch, you are... No teasing, all pleasing. This is fantastic. This is what I think the mystery pick was truly envisioned to be. Um, I have to jump on that, that horse, ride that saddle with you and say, absolutely. Double winner. You will come out of this with, oh my gosh, eight mystery points for a total of 22. And that will only increase the craziness for next week. 
Well, I mean, it's it's definitely exciting. Um, I mean, either of those lines in and of themselves, I don't think are absurd. Um, so, Cratch was the original line for the Pats. Are they minus seven? And you squeeze them both down minus six. Correct. Okay. Um, you know, I, I see the the logic of both sides. It's definitely more fun uh, to bet with you on such uh, crazy lines. Um, you know, it's definitely a, a more risky bet than the first one. Um, and that's why obviously you're, you're winning more units with it. Um, but I think I agree with Kaz. It's going to be a lot of fun to, to go on that journey with you, um, to root for you and also to hedge my bet against Detroit. Um, and also cause I need to make up some picks on Dan. So I'm going to take the winner, winner, chicken dinner here. There you go. That's the best part about the pleasers and the teasers is that you can disagree with your friends, but somehow you both win money. <laughs> All right, so that uh, that wraps up our, our NFL picks. Um, you know, stay tuned. After the, the closing song, we're going to have a little discussion. We brought up uh, kind of in the week one episode some some topics uh, that we'd like to discuss with Kaz, kind of go into a little, little political corner here, uh, starting with uh, how the government ruined Saturday mornings. Uh, so stay tuned after the, the theme song, and uh, we'll get to that. Gentlemen, any uh, closing comments for those that don't want to listen to our enlightened discussion? Well, thank you so much for having me this week, guys. This is everything I dreamed of. I have um, a great setup here. I got a microphone from work. I've got my work headphones, and this has just been a splendid way to plan to spend a uh, a weekday night with y'all. So, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Appreciate you. Yeah, Kaz, thanks for being on. Thanks for becoming an avid listener this year. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for going to like a legitimate podcast uh, distribution platform. It's so much easier to listen. Glad we could, uh, could get things squared away. It makes us feel a little, uh, you know, makes it easier to distribute things when I can just say, Hey, you know, subscribe, listen, download, um, rather than having to email out a link every week. So, uh, definitely makes it easier on us too. And so, uh, gentlemen, uh, Dan, Adam, Kaz, once again, thanks everyone for, for joining us tonight. Thank you to the listeners for uh, letting us into your lives and into your ear holes. Um, you know, we'll see you next time. Happy anniversary, Urkel. Stay tuned for Politics Corner. This recess. Heck yeah, Teresa. Yeah. Got a little quiet after that first opening bell. Yeah, because I was way too loud. There's uh, a baby sleeping here. Okay. <laughs> uh, if, I, if I'm murdered tomorrow, it's because I played that too loud. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess this is kind of a good segue. Recess was a, a pretty solid uh, Saturday morning cartoon. Um Dan, you talked about it. Why did the government ruin Saturday mornings? Well, the government, in their infinite wisdom, decided that we needed mandated educational programming if any networks were going to receive uh, funding. I think that's how it went. So all the networks want that funding or whatever whatever the government promised them 
And so they had to follow the mandate for educational programming. And what's the time of the day with the least valuable advertising? It's Saturday morning. So as a result, when my child tunes in to Saturday morning TV, instead of doling his brain with wonderful cartoons that he'll remember the rest of his life, he has to watch stupid government-sponsored educational TV that he'll forget in a week. Well, Dan, you're, you're luckier. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to say that your, uh, your son is lucky enough to grow up in this magical time where he has infinite choices. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I did some research into this, and there, there was a law passed in the early 90s. Um, actually, the, the source I have here says 1990, which would have been the Bush senior administration called the uh, Children's Television Act. Um, educational programming. I said you're right that because Saturday morning was such cheap advertising, they just decided to throw everything there. Um, but it's it's 2019. Um, especially, I mean, do you think five years down the road when Benjamin is in his like prime uh, weekend cartoon watching time, I mean, he'll probably be able to throw on a VR set and watch like you know live. SpongeBob remake, you know, right, being directly into his eyeballs. So there's there's so many choices these days that uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, perhaps a mistake in the past. Uh, I don't like you know, as much as my politics have changed, I think you know the government has bigger fish to fry than like what's on TV, um, you know. So, but it, look, I, I I felt like I had Saturday morning cartoons when I was a kid. I mean, I remember one Saturday morning that was on ABC. And like, maybe, I, I don't know how places got around the rules because that would have been like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and they had like what? They had like Pepper Ann, they had Recess, they had Doug. And no, I mean, those weren't educational, were they? I think you could argue that they had some educational lessons in them um, and definitely took a little more digging to get into. Um, I mean, maybe that's how they got around things initially and maybe they kind of tightened the the definition of educational programming. And that's why, you know, even in the early to mid-90s, we still had those cartoons, uh, but things have since changed. Yeah, it looks like it wasn't really strictly enforced until 96. And then it, from what I'm following here, just looking at programming, they didn't, it seemed like the networks at some point, a couple of years after that kind of all got the idea that they couldn't, they shouldn't put cartoons or sports or anything like that. Uh, they should just do, uh, they'll make more money off local uh, programming, which is another problem with educational programming is that it comes from um, just your syndicate, which, mm. you know, is really hit and miss on those type of programs. But, you know, don't, don't you have some nostalgia for watching, like, um, Michigan Out of Doors and, like, all those shows on PBS? Um, I remember there was one that was like, come with me to the North Country where the eagles fly. And, like, that was just people going out hunting, <laughs> and, like, teaching us about white-tailed deer and stuff and, like, lake trout. <laughs> that stuff was great. It's good stuff. Yeah, I mean... Don't don't get me wrong. 
I I actually enjoy some of the programming, and I even watch. Um, God, now I can't think of the name. There's a show on NBC that I watch on Saturday morning sometimes that is educational that I enjoy. It is about Michigan and different things going on in Michigan. No, it's ABC. Um, but the the guy goes around Michigan and and shows different cities and things like that. I enjoy that. But uh, in all honesty it's kind of like this climate change stuff that's been going on recently, not to get too heavy, but I feel like children should not have to be uh, worrying about things at such a tender age. I think they should be enjoying their time and, uh, you know, Saturday mornings, getting that bowl of cereal, watching something fun and not thinking about how their world's going to end in 19 years (laughs) or less. I mean, that, that is definitely something we are, are trying to, uh, as a society, make our kids grow up faster. And we expect, you know, even our 18-year-olds to act like adults uh, when the, the science says their brain isn't even fully formed till they're 25. Um, and so, you know, we're just pushing on that kids earlier and earlier. We have a success-driven society. And therefore, if you're not Uh, spending time learning or teaching your kids, you know, you're wasting time. So why waste time on frivolous entertaining cartoons when you could be learning? Yeah, I I, I don't envy the future generations. um, Because I I, like we were we we hit the tail end of it. I mean, I remember in high school, making some just like dumb, dumb videos. And I'm sure they're out there somewhere. um, But it was like pre YouTube. So they don't they don't exist as far as I know. But like, I can recall a couple of times with like, yep, I remember that moment from that video. And if I ever run for office, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, no, and I, I really, with, um, with Trudeau stuff coming out with the blackface stuff, I was like, Oh God, was I like, I, I hope, I hope I never put on, and I, I don't think I did, but like, there's other things that like, I can vividly remember putting on film that, I mean, I don't know. I, I, perhaps I'm remembering them with, um, worse than they actually were but it's like man i and and as a kid you know look we're gonna have to decide at some point you know how old is is old enough to be responsible for what you put on the internet um and that's gonna be a a tough road to walk because i can't imagine being like 10 years old and saying something dumb and it being on youtube forever uh it just seems like a, a minefield Yeah, it absolutely well is. So uh, maybe switching gears a little bit here, unless you guys have any more thoughts about uh, Saturday morning real quick. Um, want to look at a couple of uh, retirement situations. You know, Andrew Luck um, retired arguably at the, the peak or even still on the rise of his career. Um, you know, he'd had a couple of really good years, was projected to be a potential Hall of Fame, you know, multiple Super Bowl winning quarterback. But, you know, the injuries just caught up with him. Yeah, I wanted to compare this because um, I, I, this is this is sort of politics because like, I, I can see the culture changing. So we were really young um, when Barry Sanders retired. Uh, I think it was 99. Am I right about that? OK, it was it was somewhere right there. Turn of the turn Sounds of the century. Right. And as a child, um, because he, he, he retired, I think, at the beginning of camp. It was like maybe late July um, after he had signed like a pretty huge deal 
a few years before. And so everyone thought, and he was young. I mean, especially at the time, I think he was in his early thirties and, you know, running backs, um, they seem to play, or at least the, 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 the famous ones and the, and the workhorse ones seem to work a lot longer. I mean, I'm thinking like Emmett Smith and stuff like that. Right. Um, but Barry go ahead up and retires like in his prime, I think two seasons before he broke 2000 yards rushing. Um, and if you, I, I looked at the stats for Barry's career, which, you know, are just obscene when you think about the NFL today. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There wasn't a season where he got under a thousand yards um, and, and that, and he only played 11 games, uh, that season where he had his lowest yardage. So, um, he, he just, he, he up and he up and retires. Uh, and I remember as a child being like viscerally angry and like, how do you turn your back on the lions? Like, you know, they're giving you all this money. You're in the prime of your career. Um, yeah, they're the lions, but like, you've had some success. Um, what are you doing? Like, if you want to retire, tell the team you're going to retire, at the end of the season and give them time to rebuild, give them time to, you know, get somebody to replace you. And I, so I really felt like Barry was leaving the lions in a lurch. And I remember, you know, young, you know, 10, 11 year old Chris next year when Barry would come out and like kind of wave to the fans booing and saying like, no, you, you turn your back on us, right? Like you got all this money and you left. And then, and then you know, there's all, there's like a lawsuit with a signing bonus and stuff like that. So, you know, I was sour on Barry for a long time. Um, fast forward 20 years Andrew Luck up and retires um, much earlier in his career. Um, I shouldn't say much, a few years earlier. Barry, I think, had nine or ten seasons, and Luck was in his, I don't know, like seventh, sixth or seventh. Um, our age, sixth I think he was born in 89, so there's some symmetry there. I mean, Sanders' his first year in the NFL was 89, and then Luck was born in 89. Um, and, you know, but – and, and you know – all the injuries that he suffered and and i thought like well yeah yeah i mean <laughs> retire man i mean no one you don't owe anybody anything um the nfl is extremely dangerous you've suffered all this pain and it seems like you're still suffering it uh, i was like yeah you know good good choice B- better to retire than to you know break your spine trying to eke out one more season right and i just i just think about that change and I wonder what you guys think about it because I, I you know, I, I'm just following some of the stories about luck online. I mean, there are some people that are like, oh, entitled millennial. And, but like, that was really the minority. Most people were like, we're sorry to see him go. You know, uh, it's not great for the team that he decided so late, but like, we get it and we're not going to get too upset with you about it. And so I just saw like this like massive culture shift from, you know, from my childhood when we're, we're just way more open to, you know, players making these tough choices and we're, we're way more understanding that like, you know, the NFL is dangerous and it's, and it's a, it's a, these players are making a ton of money, but still, I mean, their, their lives are on the line in a lot of cases. So I'm wondering if you guys noticed that similar shift or, and what your take on it is. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't have much more to say on it you hit the points guys. I think at a time when in many ways, I feel our culture is declining um, or I should say changing in a way that I don't think is ultimately beneficial. I'll put it that way. I think it's a real good sign in our culture that we've gone from, as you said, and, and I did the same thing, 
hating and hating on and booing Barry Sanders for leaving his team in a lurch to now uh, our culture has generally started to the individual NFL player and athletes in general a lot more, um, whether that's because of just how things have changed um, in our culture in general, or more specifically how we've come to know more about the devastating damage football does to a human body. I don't know, but I think it's actually a positive sign of our, in our culture that now we say, well, in general, we say, well, you know, it's better that they're leaving now before um, they do any damage themselves. And it's their choice to quit while they're still ahead. And, you know, on a more practical conversation, I hope that leads to uh, basically guaranteeing all contracts in the NFL. I think that's the where where this is headed, and I hope it gets there fast, um, both to protect the players and just, I think, clean up the game a little bit so that we're not having this constant battle between players and ownership and league management where um, players are solid time, rightfully so. Um, and I think that's even changed where, you know, everyone was mad at Le'Veon Bell, but I think by the end of it, and now with Melvin Gordon and Zeke earlier in the year, people people get it. I mean, you can't blame them for protecting their limited, 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 limited shelf life. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the you know the physical injuries are, are one thing, and then the potential concussions and CTE, if you want to call that a physical, or obviously it's much more of a mental injury. Um, and those are huge aspects to the game and we're constantly seeing uh you know more and more of that more of the the long-term outcomes of you know being in the nfl or just being a competitive uh, american football player um you know as our our population is able to age through medical science you know we're living longer and these these nfl stars are getting older and you're seeing the where basically the the toll on their body earlier and earlier and because they're you know, living longer than previous generations. Um, so we're seeing more of the physical effects of the game. You can't blame a guy uh, like Luck, like Barry Sanders, like Megatron for getting out essentially before things got too bad. And, you know, only time will tell if that was even soon enough. Um, you know, Luck specifically said he lost the the joy for the game. You know, rehabbing is never fun. For anything, and and if you're constantly rehabbing, if you're constantly hurt, if you're constantly in fear of injury, you know you got to imagine the game itself isn't any fun. Um, and so, you know, I think he was much more on the physical side of things. But you know, looking at, at Calvin Johnson, who retired a couple of years ago under similar circumstances, um, you know, I think he just posted an article where, you know, he said he smoked weed after pretty <laughs> yeah. much every single game. He had you know multiple concussions in the same game. And he's like, oh, this has happened before. I know I'll be fine in a minute. And you know, you'd be right back out there. And they showed a picture of his hands, and they're like Isaac Bruce hands. You know, he's got like four fingers going like three different directions, none of them in a row. Um, you know, his hands just look absolutely mangled. And you got to wonder, like, you know, his hands probably looked like that when he was still playing. Like, how does a guy catch a football with hands like that? But he still had some of the best dang hands in the game. 
Um, and, you know, he still probably could, you know, you know, go out there and, and moss some of the, the cornerbacks uh, in the league. But, um, you know, th- there's a definite physical toll. And I think society, too, is coming to realize that uh, as, you know, a lot of the concussion research, the CTE findings are coming to light. Society, I think, has gotten much more accepting about um, protecting both our physical and our mental health going forward. And so they're much more accepting about, you know, okay, football is a violent game. Yes, I'm tired of it. I'm better hurt enough. I'm going to step away from it. And I think, um, you know, we might, cause I forget if it was you on the podcast last year where we had a, a kind of a related discussion where we were talking, I think Dan at the time, I don't know if you and Sabrina were pregnant or, uh, this was just a hypothetical, but I think the question was, do you let your future son and or daughter play football? Yeah, I you I remember that too. Um, and like that, that I mean, I'll remember that for the rest of my life because, uh, I mean, I guess I wasn't shocked by it because that's that that's just the reality of the what time we live in. But it's like, wow, that this guy I played football with for four years is like, no, I'm not gonna let my kid play football. And I'm like, wow, have we have we, has it really changed that much? Have has the mindset really, um, gone that far? Because I mean, it's only been, you know, ten years. Or oh Jesus, nope! It's been like fifteen. <laughs> been like fifty. Jeez, yikes! Uh, but still, I mean, that's not that. It's not that much time. Uh, but yeah, I think I just education about the game has changed so much. So, you know, I thank you for saying that last year because, uh, and I'm glad you remembered it, remembered it, Paul, because it it made a mark on me. Just like the realization that wow, you know, this is happening. Yeah, and I think you know part of the reason I remembered it too is because I, I was equally kind of like, oh man, Dan is like like quick answer, just like you did this time, Dan, like instantly. No, like not letting Benjamin, not letting future son, future daughter play football. And I think at the time last year, I I don't know how hard I argue, but I said, I probably would, would let my kids play. But again, you know, another year down the road, another year older, I think I got to revisit that a little bit more. And, um, you know, guys, kind of like you said, you know, those were some good, you know, four years for you guys, only two years for me where we were playing football. And I think that was a lot of the reason that I was maybe leaning towards letting my kid play would be, you know, the, the camaraderie, the, the teamwork, the, the friendships you build, you know, day in, day out, like grinding on the football field with, with other uh, players. Um, but again, you know, another year in practice, seeing some of the injuries, some of the long-term effects, and, and, you know, even some of the short-term effects, you know, really makes me reconsider. And I think, you know, now I would be, be pretty hard pressed to let my kid play, you know, tackle football, um, flag football, you know, it's still a good sport. Obviously there's still some contact in there, but I think, you know, flag football would be a good, uh, kind of middle ground for me. Um, and then, you know, maybe if he's going to go pro, he could twist my arm and, and convince me to let him play tackle. But, um, you know, it would definitely be tough and you would have to have a pretty good discussion about it. Um, Cause yeah, you know, the, the injury risk, the long-term effects are absolutely real. So I don't know if you guys have heard of the show QB one on Netflix. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. No, It's very good. I recommend it. It's a good show. Um, it's actually extra interesting now because um, I forget if it's the first or second season, but uh, Justin Fields is in it. He's like the main 
a player they follow. And that's he's the okay. quarterback of Ohio State now. And one, it's after you watch it, it's impossible not to like him. He's an incredibly likable guy. So um, it's worth a while. Well, then I can't watch it because <laughs> I have to hit Ohio State. You do not. It's okay. We'll, we'll, <laughs> neither of us, neither of our teams will ever be able to compete with them in the near future. So, um, but anyway, what I actually, the new season just came out like a month ago and I, I watched it uh, recently and my opinions haven't changed about the, uh, mental health issue, you know, physical and mental health issues that come from football. But what really bothered me about the show actually is just like, and I know it happened at brother rice, maybe not to the extent that it did in the show, but like. Honestly, you watch these kids and these coaches and these parents, and it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, just take away the health aspects, the way they treat these kids and treat this game. I don't know. Like that, that even soured me towards high school football more than I was already. And I love high school football, and I love being a part of it, but. Uh, I, I don't know. It just made me even more want to be and my son to be just a bystander of it. So even, even more reason after watching the show, watching this season of the show, um, just, just gave me a bad taste kind of about high school football, at least as it, as it is right now in the United States. I think that that kind of brings up a, interesting dichotomy that I was thinking about, you know, when we were looking at talking about this topic is, um, you know, how can you really be a, or still be a fan of the sport and then not let your kids play it? Like if your kids don't want to play it, fine, that's one thing. But if they really want to play and you're like, no, you can't play, it's too dangerous. You're going to get hurt, yada, yada. But, you know, let's go, you know, let's go to the U of M Ohio state game, you know, get all decked out in Mesa blue and like scream our heads off for three hours. How do you kind of justify that dichotomy? Well, number one, cause I don't have to, but number two, I will. <laughs> uh, but the reason, the reason I would justify it to you and to our audience of millions is that oh no not to me to to benjamin oh oh. justified to benjamin because he really wants to play and you're i really don't have to justify it to him because i'm his father and it's my job to do what i think is best for him and that that leads me to the justification in that i would never tell someone else or someone else's parent or someone else's kid that they shouldn't play football or they shouldn't pursue a career in a sport that could damage your brain. I think that's an important point to consider. We always forget that for many people, and you see this in the Netflix show, for many people, football is seen as an avenue for a le- an avenue to achieve a lifestyle that otherwise is not even uh, fathomable. And that's okay. That's the choice of the parent and the kid. And when that kid ultimately becomes an adult, it's their choice. But, um, you know, I'm very blessed in my life and my son will be very blessed. And he's going to have opportunities that he can do other things besides risk his brain 
playing football for money or fame. So that's how I justify it if I needed to, which I don't. Yeah. (laughs) I, you know, I, I hear you. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, you don't want to go into somebody's life and, and say, no, this thing that you love is bad. Right. Or this thing that you love, you can't have kids doing it because they will die. Um, you know, there, there's a line because there's, there's certainly stuff that, you know, as history has progressed, we have decided that no children should not take part in that. Even, even things that have been extremely culturally important and, you know, cultures changes. And I, I, this is a problem for the NFL. I mean, the fact that you don't, you don't get bigger, you know, more in the target demographic than us right now. I mean, we're, we're young people. We, we're getting to the level of having discretionary income, right? Um, we're bringing up sons. And, and so they, they, need, they need to do something to, to appeal to, to this generation because, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see it turning around anytime soon. The natural inclination of this is people can get more and more skeptical of it. Um, and Dan, I'm, I'm, I, I do want to check out that show. It sounds, it sounds interesting. And it just, it reminds me of our, of our time at, in high school. Um, and I, I think we really got off in comparison to a lot of the, um, you know, the culture that you hear about high school football. I think we got off on that fairly easily. I mean, the, the team was intense and we were asked to, to do a lot, but I never felt like we were we were pushed beyond the, the, the realms of things. I mean, I, I think getting for Koss in the, in the latter part of his career was probably a good thing because I'm sure he was not the same back in, you know, the eighties or whatever. But I do remember just, um, it was probably junior year, uh, on varsity. Well, yeah, I, we were, we were training the off season and I, I screwed up my hip and I could not run very well the entire junior year season. And I remember, um, during practice one day, I was hobbling along, and our D coordinator, Coach Zimmerman, comes up to me because I, I think I like gave up on a play or something, and he's like, "Kozlowski, why'd you give up on that play?" And I'm like, rah, rah, "You know, I'm sorry, Coach." And he's like, "Are you hurt? Are you hurt, Kozlowski?" And at that moment, I should have said, "Yes, I'm hurt. <laughs> I should not be practicing." Um, but you know, I'm not. No, because they, you know, you're you're taught to tough it out, right? You're 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 taught to like play through it. And even if that's not like explicitly said, like no one tells you like play through an injury, like the, the culture of that was to, you know, to have a stiff upper lip and to, to do your part and to work hard. Right. And so, yeah, I played through the injury and no one ever took me aside and said, Chris, you're clearly hurt. You are not going to practice. And, you know, I, I, I was, I was a bench warmer. I was not an important part of, I mean, I was an important part of that team, but I was probably not in the scout coaches. team player of the week, scout team player. Well, that, that was senior year. And I think the reason I got scout team player of the week poll is because I could actually run like, like literally, <laughs> I think that's the reason why it was like, Oh, cause Lowski's actually flying around. It's like, yeah. Cause he's not hurt. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, as a, as a 16 year old, I didn't have the emotional intelligence and, and, and the will to be like, no, I'm going to, I'm taking myself out. That's the smartest thing for me to do here. I needed someone, I needed a coach to step in and do that for me looking back and, and no one did. Um, and I, I think that's, that's part of the culture and that's, that's part of the icky um, aspect of it is like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to learn, you know, how to push yourself. And I, I think a lot of that was important to me. Um, but there's also just the sinister side of that. And that's, um, you know, it, in all that rhetoric about doing your part and 
and playing hard and giving 110 percent, making a difference. Yeah, uh, that you're th- there's there's a toxicity to that, I think, um, which hopefully is changing. Hopefully high school coaches nowadays are becoming more and more cognizant of like, look, this is these are kids and this is a game. And yes, we should we should try our best, but we should not be giving 110%, it's not possible. <laughs> right, and I think that in part kind of harkens back to the point I made earlier is that as a society, we're expecting our kids and our, our teenagers to act like adults, you know? It's it's one thing to see, you know, an NFL player play through a sprained ankle, but it's quite another thing to ask, you know, a, a freshman in high school to run on a sprained ankle to play through it, you know, and potentially risk further injury. And um, so, you know, we're, we're asking a lot out of our kids and yeah, football definitely can be one of the more toxic cultures for that, but it's definitely there in other sports too. And, and part of that kind of sure. harkens back to like the, the whole gladiator and Olympic aspect. And I think roots of sports in that, um, you know, ultimately they're, they're competitions, they are tests of physical and mental will and ability. And so they're ultimately basically a dick measuring contest and so it's a measure of Mm. how strong and how tough you are and if you're not strong enough and tough enough to play or work through an injury then you know you can't cut it which i think is kind of a societal thing again where we need to kind of take a step back and like you had said kaz realize that yeah this is just a game these are just kids and you know this should be fun and yes there is a inherent risk of injury but they shouldn't be pushed or asked to play through that yeah, I mean, that's a very good thought, Paul, and I think it's – I got to get going to bed here, but I think a good topic that would be nice to discuss at another later date, either on the podcast or not, is um, going on what you mentioned, both of you mentioned, in a society where kids are seemingly, at least in, at least in traditional ways, are getting less tough if you will. Um, again, that's debatable, but in the more traditional ways, kids seem to be getting less tough. Yet at the same time, all of us are hoping that sports um, become a little less intense. What can we do to uh, bring some individual toughness uh, back to the youth, if you will? Yeah, I think that's a, a good question to kind of ponder and like you said, and maybe wrap things up and pick this up another time. Um, you know, is there really anything we can do to, uh, you know, make our, our kids, our children, our future stronger, tougher, both physically and mentally without subjecting them to, you know, essentially the, uh, some may call it torture of, uh, sports, practice, competition, injury, those kind of things. Is there really anything else we can do? Uh, so let's let's cut it out there. Let's maybe think about that, potentially join back up another time, possibly even live Detroit Draft 2020. We'll uh, maybe pick things up then. <laughs> Last thing I'll say is uh, I, w- you know, I was 10 years old, so I don't feel that bad about it, but I do want to apologize to Barry Sanders. I was wrong. I should not have booed you. We're sorry, Barry. So Barry, if you're out there, <laughs> my bad. And, and Barry, if you're out there, 
please God, let us know how you found this podcast. <laughs> yeah, seriously, we'd love to have you on. And Martha, dear God, pay Calvin Johnson. <laughs>